I think really one of the big themes of, of Julian's word um, to us as a church uh, was that he is, he is calling us to be an apostolic people. And an apostolic people and the apostolic mission is really concerned with possessing the promises of God. And that's, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, possessing the promises of God. Okay, this is a time where we move into the promised land. Okay, and it's not, it's not physical promised land anymore, but these are the promises that are over us, over the people of God. It's time to possess the promises. And I think that that is what, in a nutshell, Julian was talking about to us. Uh, so I felt God lead me to um, Joshua chapter 1 today, and I just want to say a few words about that um, afterwards. But we're going to read the whole chapter just because it's great. And it says so many amazing things. So find Joshua chapter 1, and then uh, we'll read. Okay. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to, uh, to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days, you are to pass over this Jordan and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives and your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has given to you. And they shall also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. And then you shall return to the land of your possession and you shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and very courageous. Come on. Um, Okay. As I said to you, I want to talk to you today about um, possessing the promises. But within this passage, if you look at uh, verses 11 and 12... 
says this, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for, with, for within three days you will pass over this Jordan and go in and take possession of the land. And I want to talk to you on possessing the promises, but also on preparing the provisions. Because God is calling us to prepare the provisions so that we can possess the promises. And don't you just love it when things alliterate just like that? Prepare the plentiful provisions. Um, Okay, so what does it mean to prepare your provisions when God is your provider? What does that mean? What does that look like? Prepare your provisions when God is your provider. When God has promised to provide for all your needs, what does it look like to prepare the provisions? Because you can imagine, you know, you could read that verse and you could think, prepare the provisions. I've got to kind of look within myself and, you know, what have I got? You know, have a look in the cupboard. What's in there? You know, oh, it's just a, a packet of super noodles and a, you know, out-of-date can of hot dogs. I'm struggling. You know, but, but if God is our provider, as he is, then what does it look like to prepare your provisions? I think this, it must mean that we come before him and discover and embrace more of what he has already provided. It must mean that. Because he, he, he he's our provider. He has prepared things for us. The call to prepare provisions is actually the call to come before him for revelation of what he has already done for you. Um, This is really what the apostolic focus of the New Testament is all about. Focusing and understanding and gaining revelation on what God has already done for you. So, so Paul writes to the Ephesians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He predestined, past tense, us for adoptions as son. In him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses according to his grace, which he lavished upon us. In him we have obtained an inheritance. We are sealed, past tense, with the promised Holy Spirit. The focus of of the New Testament is so often on what God has already done for you. Listen, there's just enough in what I have read there. If we, if we fully understood just what I've read out, we would change the world. You know, our, our, our problem is not, you know, we don't have enough promises. You know, that's, the, that's not the problem. The problem is that we don't really understand what these promises mean. But the focus of um, preparing the provisions is really on understanding who we are, understanding what we have been promised, understanding what we already have in this God who provides for all our needs. And I want to say this, that those often, um, and quite rightly so, there's, there's, there's a focus in meetings on what, is, what God is doing right now. So, you know, what God is releasing to us right now, the anointing that's coming from heaven right now. But um, I want to say that those who take new ground, those who kind of, uh, you know, that apostolic thrust into new things in God, those who do that, they understand the moment that God is making available at that particular time because they understand the one who makes the moment available. 
They understand not just that actually this is a moment in God, but they understand the God who makes the moment. I'll illustrate it. Some of you are looking at me like, what on earth is he talking about? I'll illustrate this. If you look in 1 Samuel chapter 14, you'll see one of the great stories about apostolic advancing into you know, taking enemy ground so that the people of God can rush in and, uh, and destroy their enemies. And uh, you have this story of Jonathan and his armor bearer getting together and thinking, let's go and kick the butts of the enemy. And uh, if you start that um, story in verse 8, you'll read this. And Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men, that's the, the Philistines, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and we will not go up and fight them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hands and this shall be a sign to us. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that story, which is a very famous one in the Old Testament, I always think this, that is a crazy plan. (laughs) You know, Sometimes we could have, because we know the ending of the story, we forget how crazy that sounds. This, these were a couple of guys who were about to risk their lives. You know, they were about to, you know, there were two of them, and, and there were a whole gang of Philistines. They were going to risk their lives, something that would probably, unless God was in it, result in their deaths. Think about that. Think about being in that situation yourself, risking your very life. And what were they going to risk their life on? Whether or not they said, wait till we come to you or come up to us. That was it. That was the plan. Now that sounds, I don't know about you, but that sounds to me absolutely nuts. You know, when I'm walking down Buchanan Street, you know, you know, I've got to get a much stronger word than that just to talk to someone. <laughs> These were people who were risking their lives on just the wording, a response. You just think, this is nuts. What, what, what? But, but then you see... Um, You know, verse 12, the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and the armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. Don't know what that is. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. You just think, that's astounding confidence. They just think, yeah, this is it. This is our moment. You know, that was was what we were waiting for. Let's go and do it. Remember, this were, these were people who were risking their lives, you know, in the face of odds that, that, that meant that they could only win if God was really with them. And they were prepared to risk everything on such, to me, it seems it's a tiny, tiny thing. I don't know about you, but that, that, that kind of, I struggle to relate to that, if I'm honest. Um, maybe I'm the only one. I struggle to risk so much on what seems like so little. But the problem was we didn't read the start of the story. And if you read verse 6, it says this. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And we understand suddenly what Jonathan's secret was. Jonathan, Jonathan's confidence wasn't just in the word of the moment. It wasn't just in the prophetic word that came to him that in that moment. His confidence was in the very character of God, in the goodness of God, which is for all time, because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His confidence, and as charismatic people who believe in prophecy and believe in the now word, and this is the moment for you, we need to be so careful that we don't forget, actually, that our confidence ultimately is in who God is, 
in in his very character, in the fact that he is good and he is blessing you every day of your life. Whether or not you get a prophetic word, he's good. Whether or not the word comes to you, he's going to bless you. And Jonathan understood this. He said, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And because we know this, actually, we're just looking for an excuse, really. You know, that that sounded like a prophetic word, but maybe it isn't. Who cares? God's with us. Let's do it. You see, people who make that apostolic advancement, it's not just that they have received a word. It's that they understand who God is. They understand who God is all the time. They have that, they carry that knowledge within them. And so, when the prophetic word arrives, they're ready to go. Because actually, do you know what? They've always been ready. They were born ready. Because they know who God is. They know who made them born again. They were literally born ready. So, oh, so going back, going back to Joshua, what, what, what do I think this, this passage is saying to us? Well, we need, um, he needed, I think, to understand that God was with him just as he had been with his leader who was now no longer around. Okay, so Moses, this incredible man of God who had done incredible miracles and seen incredible things happen, and, and now Joshua was taking over, slightly intimidating, tough act to follow. You know, a guy who, um, you know, split the Red Sea in two. You know, that, that's, I wouldn't want to be on after him. You know, that's, that's pretty, high, pretty high expectation, really, on what leadership is. You know, you'd be thinking, hmm, right. Okay. <laughs> but, but, but God comes to him in verse 5 of the passage we just read and says this, Just as I was with Moses, just as I was with Moses, in exactly the same way as I was with him, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And, and I tell you this, this I think is, is the big challenge that's before for us. If we are going to walk into all that God has got for us, we need to understand this, which seems outrageous, but it's true, I'm convinced. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit is with and in us and on us just as it was with Jesus. We need to to meditate on that. We need to be thoroughly convinced that that is true. Because you see, that is a truth that has been hidden for a long time. to the church. It has been hidden for a long time. But, but actually, um, it's been, if you read the Bible, it's been hidden in plain sight. You know, you do not need to, to go hunting for verses to support this claim. You know, you don't need to develop a weird theology to get that actually the Holy Spirit is with you and you and you and you in exactly the same way as it was with Jesus, as he was with Jesus, sorry. You know, it's a bit, we were talking about this yesterday, um, about how men are not very good at finding things. You know, a lot of women in the audience um, nodding. Um, And I think the Perkins actually call this Man eyes. Rachel says to Stephen, are you looking for that with your man eyes? I find this absolutely extraordinary. You know, I can be asked to go and find something in a room 
And, and it's, it, I mean, it's literally sitting right in the middle of the table. And somehow I conspire to, to not see... No, it's, it's not here. It's, no, it's not here. And then, and then Lizzie will walk in and it will, it will become immediately obvious that it's there. You know, or can, can you get me that from the fridge? You open the fridge. No, it's not there. I mean, a fridge isn't that big. It's, it's extraordinary that you could miss something that was in a fridge. But yeah, exactly. But somehow, somehow I miss it. It's an incredible thing. And, and, and the same is true with this truth, that actually we can, we can so easily miss it, but it is such a profound and such a massive thing. John 14, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works I do, and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. I mean, that's pretty clear. That is pretty clear. Really, the only question is, do you believe it? <laughs> do, you, do you really believe it? I'll level with you. I think I'm on a journey to believing it. Who's with me? <laughs> um, what about this? A little later in that same chapter. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus says. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no, no more, but you will see me. You will see me. Because I live, you will also live. And in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Wow. Jesus. You know, the... the, the one who threw the stars into space is in you. I mean, if we, if we even slightly understood that, we would change the world. What about this one in John 17? The glory that, I, that you have given me, this is Jesus talking to his Father, I have given to them the glory. Now think about Jesus. Think about how glorious he is. And he's saying, the glory that you've given me, Father, I have given to them. He has given to you. You see, some of us get out of our bed in the morning and thinking, man, am I really cutting it as a Christian? The glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. Some of you get out of your bed this morning thinking, can I be bothered going to church? I am such a rubbish Christian. The glory that the Father gave Jesus he has given to you. Who cares how you get out of bed this morning? <laughs> Who cares how you feel when you get up this morning? Jesus has made you glorious, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Do you know there's a promise, that promise in uh, Habakkuk, the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. How's that going to happen? I'll tell you how it's going to happen. His people, his glorious people, you, are going to fill the earth. That's the glory of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. Hope about this, Romans 8, if, and the implication is that it, it has, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. Think about that. Think about the power that raised Jesus out of, the de- out of death back into life. 
into resurrection life, never to die again. Think about that power. Paul says that same, that exactly the same power lives in you. Exactly the same. Folks, we've got to get this. This is what we this is this is what it means to possess the promises. That we we see this provision that's been made for us. This is this is what Jesus' mission was all about. Um, John, you know, John the Baptist's summary statements about Jesus' ministry, why he came. Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take the sins of the world away. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. That was the point. That was the point of Jesus coming. That you might be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That the same Spirit that raised him from the dead might be on you. You know, Peter said to Jesus... He said, I say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, because flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven, and I say you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. What, what is the revelation that Jesus is building his church on? It's this. That Jesus is fully man, anointed, the Christ, the anointed one, anointed with the Spirit of God. And that understanding that is what the foundation of the church is. That we are all people, Christians, little Christs, anointed with the same Spirit. A church can be built on that revelation that can fill the whole world. The early church were aware of this. Peter said to the beggar, uh, the crippled beggar, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. He knew, they knew what they had. And we need to know it too. Do you know when Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor? Do you know that actually that same anointing is on you? Exactly the same anointing. One of the things that Pete uh, Carter challenged us about at the weekend, the conference, was... You know, that when we come to a ministry time or we come to kind of, you know, go out on the streets and do some, um, you know, praying for the sick or whatever, you know, if Jesus was here, you know, who would want to go him, with him out in the street? You know, if there was a ministry time at the, you know, the end of the meeting, you know, and your ministry team was Jesus, who'd be coming forward for prayer, <laughs> expecting them to get, themselves to get healed? We all would, because it's Jesus. The same spirit that dwelt in Jesus dwells in you. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? The implications for this are absolutely enormous. Enormous. Genesis 1 verse 2. The spirit of, the, of God moves on the waters on the uh, first day of creation. That same spirit that moved on the waters lives in you. And a voice spoke and said, let there be light. And then spoke all kinds of things and the universe came into being. The spirit hovering and a voice speaking and the whole, whole of existence comes into being. Now, what would happen if that same spirit that hovered in the face of the waters dwelt in a man and then the man spoke? 
what would happen? Well, what would happen would be that people like Lazarus would come out of the tomb. Now, what would happen? What does that mean about our words? The power of our words, what we say. You You see, the Spirit hovering on the water and a voice speaking created the universe. The Spirit dwelling in a man... And Jesus speaking, Lazarus, come out, and a dead guy comes back to life again. What does that mean for the words that you speak in your life? What does that mean when you tell somebody the gospel? Paul says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. See, when you tell people the gospel, Jesus died to take your sins away and then he was raised to life again so that your life could be transformed. You could have resurrection life. There's power in that message. And there's power in you. And what's that power there for? It's there to bring new life. We need, to, we need to rediscover these, the confidence in these truths. That actually we have, there's immense power in the things that we speak. There's an unbelievable power in the gospel to raise people to life again. Power to shift an atmosphere. Jesus said the kingdom of God was within you. You know, when, when, when Jesus showed up in a place, he said this. He said, that, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand. Why was he saying that? He was saying that because he knew the kingdom of God was within him. And I'm at hand. <laughs> so when you go into work tomorrow morning, the kingdom of God is at hand. Because you're at hand. You know, I've started to try this out. And it's exciting. Um, in one of my, uh, my PSE classes, we were doing a thing on thankfulness. I nicked it off JL because JL did it with the students, and I went along, and I thought, this is great. I'm going to do this. <laughs> so there I am with a bunch of um, teenagers who don't know anything about Jesus. And I say, look, you know, aren't we really blessed? And they're like, are we? <laughs> it's like, you know, what, what, what are we thankful for? You know, what are you thankful for? And a few of them just started to talk about the things that they were thankful for. And then I was like, that's great. What you, what? Somebody else, what are we thankful for? Somebody else said, you know, I'm thankful for this. And, and as we went on and on and on and on in this class full of completely unsaved teenagers, the things that people were sharing became more and more personal and more and more real and and you could see them change. And you could, you could see, you could feel the atmosphere in the room change. In fact, one of the kids in the front row turned to me and said, can you feel that? Totally unsafe kid. Can you feel that? Now, now what's that about? I'll tell you what it's about. The kingdom of God is at hand. Because I'm at hand. Now, now, what does that mean when you go into uni? Now, what does that mean when you're at home with your kid? The kingdom of God is right there because you're right there. And the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus said to them, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We go in his authority. Just as the Father sent me, Jesus said, so I send you. Just as I was with Moses. Just as the Father sent me. In exactly the same way. Listen, folks. If we understood this, we wouldn't have to look for revival. We would be revival. 
You know, we wouldn't have to send people to the other side of the world. People would come to us. <laughs> just, under, just understanding this one thing. You know, sometimes we pray for, pray for the wrong things. Terry um, Petrie is in our small group, and she is really helping us with this. But the fact that sometimes we pray for the wrong things. You know, sometimes we pray for power. Um, you know, you just think, let's just, look, let's just read a few verses from Ephesians. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the, Lord of our, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having your eyes, sorry, the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope that you are called to, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Listen, power is not our problem. I'm serious. Power is not your problem. Power is, you know, when you, when you pray for the sick, power is not your problem. You know, when you're trying to shift an atmosphere, power is not your problem. When you're preaching the gospel, when you're giving somebody the gospel message, you know, the issue is not insufficient power. We can stop praying for more power. We've got it all. But what is Paul praying for them? He's praying for revelation. He's praying that their eyes would be opened. He's praying that they would understand what they already have. So that they can step into it. You know, and this book... A lot of revelation in this book. You know, how was this book written? You know, to Timothy. All scripture is God-breathed. Written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit that lives in you. That same Holy Spirit that wrote this book. A lot of revelation in here. <laughs> lives in you. Where are you going to get your revelation from? <laughs> come on, folks. Come on. 1 John, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true and is no lie, just as he has taught you, abide in him. Come on, folks. This is what it means. This is what it means to be an apostolic people, to get this. To step into this, to have this revelation that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That the glory that Jesus had, had, was given from the Father, he gave to us. Okay. I'm going to have to say the next bit extremely quickly. Another thing that we're being asked to do is to meditate on Jesus day and night and never depart from him. I'm not going to say much more about that, but if you look in verse 7 and 8 of one, uh, Joshua, Joshua 1... Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all that the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you have good, may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Now, Jesus if I read my Bible correctly, fulfilled the law. 
So how about we read that again, except we put Jesus in. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do, all, to do according to all that Jesus commands you. Do not turn from him to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This Jesus shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon Jesus, upon him day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to what he tells you. That's how you step into the promised land. Three. Moving quickly now. We need to... We need to not only find these truths, but we need to also find each other in these truths. So before the battle, Joshua had to find this truth that God was with him, just as he had been with Moses, but then he also had to find the other tribal leaders and then go in and fight together for all that God had made available to them. You see, breakthrough can come by an individual. You know, the courage of one person can make a way that other people can come into. But you see, breakthrough can come through an individual, but territory cannot be held unless a people step into it together. So one person can have a revelation that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in them. But actually, we will never hold that territory. We will never bring up our kids in that promised land unless we all find each other in this truth. That's what Joshua had to do. And if you, if you read, we don't have time, but if you read that section where he talks to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, what that's about is the fact that these people had actually found their promised land on the east side of the Jordan. But they had promised Moses that they would cross over the Jordan with the rest of God's people and they would fight until the whole of God's people had come into their inheritance and then go back to the place that God had made for them. And what that's saying is this, actually that if you have already found your peace, then your responsibility is to fight with those who haven't to bring them them into the same truth, into the same reality. Because you see, our peace is, my peace is so tied up in your peace that I can't really fulfill my promises unless you fulfill your promises. I can't really enter into all that God's got for me unless you enter into all that God's got for you. We need to do this together or we don't do it at all. Our inheritances are so inextricably linked that whatever peace you have found, and some of us are at different stages, some of us are further on in certain things than in others. Listen, whatever you've got, whatever revelation you've received, use it to contend for someone else who hasn't yet received that revelation. So I get things that some of you don't. And you get things that I do not even begin to get. You know, so I, you know, I look out across this room and I think, man, the, you know, I just look around and I think, man, the history that some of us have in God, you know, the, the decades of faithfully walking with God... And I think, man, I have so much to learn from you. You have so much to teach me. You have, you have revelation 
in God that actually I can't even dream of. I need you to cross over the Jordan with me. I need you to fight with me for my promised land. But listen, we're doing this from a place of peace. We fight. The people of God fight from a place of peace. You know, the, the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, they left their, their, their children and their, their wives and their possessions in the place that God had prepared for them, and they went and fought. You know, they, what they had was safe. It was already safe. It had already been secured. And so they were free to engage the enemy. What you have received from God, you cannot lose in the battle. It's already been made secure for you. And that lets you be free to engage the enemy. A people of valor will help others claim their inheritance, knowing that theirs has already been provided for. They know that their share is not diminished by others' success, and therefore they are free to contend for the good of all. And quickly, fourthly on this, um, we're, being asked, we're asked to be loyal to leaders, honor, gifting, encouraging, and adding our strength to theirs. We honor God in each other. We need to rediscover the wonder of a human being filled with the Spirit. You read about Jesus and you think, this one, the wonder the kind of awesome wonder that the disciples must have felt walking with this man, this man who was God, who was anointed with the Spirit. There was a, there's a wonder about him, a kind of awe, a reverence that you just think, ah. you know, what, but what are you? But a person created in God's image, anointed with the Spirit, there is something you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There is something wonderful about each individual one of us, and we need to rediscover that. We need to rediscover the wonder of, of Alan Harrison, the uniqueness. If, if we do that, actually, honoring each other becomes easy. And... Um, We'll inherit together. So that is the, um, what was it? The, that was preparing the provisions very quickly. And lastly, possessing the promises. Listen to this. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, God says. Just as I have promised to Moses from the wilderness all the way to the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. You know, in Romans chapter 4, Paul takes the idea of the promised land and he turns it into the whole world. He said, you know, that the promise to Abraham that his offspring would become heir, not just of the promised land, but of the whole world. We're supposed to be heirs of the whole world. Our promised land is the world. So everywhere that we set our foot, God is giving us. So your work, God is giving you. That land, your home, God is giving you that land. When you walk down the street, God is giving that to you too. Everywhere where you set the foot. Listen, it's such an exciting time to be alive. Do you not feel like there's just this immense sense of privilege? That's what I felt more than anything at that conference. I felt the amazing sense of privilege that we, you know, we're alive at this time. And God is speaking these things to us. This is a, an awesome privilege. That he could be saying this to us, that actually, you know, wherever you set, you step, I'm giving you that. There's such a sense of excitement, of opportunity, of things opening up, of expansion. You know, you don't need a prophetic word. It's all, it's all given to you. The whole lot. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth because his people will. And that glory is... In you. Noah, uh, Noah sent out a dove three times. 
After the earth was judged, he sent a, a, a dove three times. The first time, it came back to him. And the second time it came, he sent it out, it came back to him with an olive branch in its beak, like a token of new life. And the third time he sent it out, it didn't come back to him at all. The Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, God sent it out, but it would always come back to him. And then Jesus came and the Holy Spirit was sent out and a new life came from it. And then Jesus went back to be with his Father and the Holy Spirit was poured out again. And this time, it didn't come back. This time, we repopulate the earth with life because the judgment has been served on Jesus, on the cross, and there is blessing now for the world. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand together? Okay, the call, um, the promises are vast, uh, and the word is be strong and very courageous. And uh, because the Spirit of God is in me, I'm going to declare it over you, and it's going to make a difference in your life. I declare that we will be strong and very courageous. I declare revelation right across this church, that the eyes of our hearts would be opened, that we would understand the riches that have come to us in Christ Jesus that we would understand in a fresh way that the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead dwells in us. That we would understand that the glory that you gave to Jesus, Jesus gave to us. If there's sickness in any way, if anybody is sick in any way, if anyone has pain in their body, why don't you just stick up your hand right now where you are? Okay, if you're near them, just put a hand on them. Declare healing over them. Say, be healed in Jesus' name. Be pain-free in the name of Jesus. Be pain-free in Jesus' name. Listen, folks, this is our inheritance. This is our promised land that's out there before us. We need to step in. We need to step in, declare it. Be well in the name of Jesus.